So it's from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 25. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires he had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you called on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believed in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seeds, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Well, I'd love you to keep your Bibles open there as we look at these verses and think about this call uh, there in verse 16 to be holy because God is holy. Little kids are often asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? You probably got asked that question. And uh, kids make some pretty exciting answers. They want to be a firefighter or an astronaut or a master chef. My three-year-old grandson wants to be a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we grow up, uh, maybe we get a job, maybe you're studying, and we still think about what we want to be. Uh, Maybe you still think about what career you want. And maybe you think about other things. Maybe you want to be wealthy. Maybe you want to be successful. Maybe you want to be popular. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to be unique, authentic, different. I talk to parents. Parents want things for their kids. One of the most common things I hear parents saying is, I just want my kids to be happy. But, you know, as we think about what we want to be, and as parents think about maybe what they want you to be, one word that seldom makes the cut is the word holy. In fact, if a little girl, you know, a wee girl uh, was asked, what do you want to be? She says, I just want to be holy. It'd be like, (laughs) is she weird? If parents said, I just want my children to be holy, we might be kind of thinking, oh, come on, like, don't get all spiritual on me. 
But what if holiness was the pathway to happiness? What if holiness was the absolute best way to live no matter what else you end up being? In the verses in front of us tonight, we see that this is what God wants for his children. It it speaks of us as his children in verse 14, as obedient children. And it, it speaks of God as our Father in verse 17. If you call on him as Father, and in between we see what God our Father wants for us if we are his children through faith in Jesus Christ. He wants us to be holy as he is holy. But what on earth does that mean? What kind of person will you be if you are given over to pursuing holiness above all else? How weird will you be? How odd will you be? What kind of life will you be pursuing if you try to be holy? Well, as we look at these verses, there are three things I want us to see and and recognize about holiness. The first is this. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is beautiful. That might not be your first thought when you think about holiness. If a movie depicted a holy person, what do you think the depiction would be? I suspect a movie depiction of someone who's holy is, look, they'd probably be old, uh, they'd be quietly spoken, maybe tight, frugal, restrained, softly spoken. I don't think you'd see them bungee jumping. You probably wouldn't see them madly in love or driving an amazing sports car. Those are kind of not our depictions of holiness. So what should we have in our mind? What is a picture of holiness? Well, quite simply, our picture should be God himself. God is the definition of holiness. He alone is holy in and of himself. Peter says, he who called you is holy. So be holy in all you do. And then he quotes Leviticus, probably Leviticus 11.44, but it could be other verses because this is like a theme tune right through the Old Testament book of Leviticus where God says, Be holy as I am holy. So what is is this holiness of God that the book of Leviticus and the Bible talks about? It's really his absolute purity. God, our holy God, is set apart from everything which is defiled, everything which is unclean and dodgy and dirty and filthy. And and not just that, he's set apart from everything which is just ordinary, everything which is mundane. And he's set set apart from everything which is 
temporary and finite and perishable. The Bible's picture is that God is above and beyond all those things. He is excellent in every way because he's not tainted by anything impure, unholy. And the Bible gives us the picture that that absolute purity and that aboveness and beyondness of God is beautiful. There's a verse in the Psalms that says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Everything about God is beautiful because it's holy, set apart. His love is beautiful love. Beautiful because it's completely selfless, absolutely pure, untainted. And it is. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it, when you see love that's real, that's genuine, that's authentic, that's innocent. Not married at first sight kind of love. And and God's justice is a beautiful thing. Sometimes outside a court of law, you'll see on on news items, families hugging and, and crying with joy because a judgment has been brought down that they think is right. Justice, if you are crying out for justice, is a beautiful thing. And God is absolutely right and just in all his ways. And and God's knowledge. His holy knowledge is beautiful. He knows only what is right and true and good. With God, there's there's no fake news. There's no spin. There there are no backflips. There's no slip-up. Wouldn't it be great if we could say that about our politicians? We can say it about God. Everything about God is beautiful because he's holy. And the the beauty of our holy God is seen for us most clearly in Jesus. God became flesh. God became a human being. And in Jesus, we see the only perfectly holy human to have ever lived this life and walked this earth. So what did Jesus' holiness look like? Well, think about some of the incidents that we're we're given in the Gospels. His holiness looked like him reaching out and touching a leper, an unclean leper. And what a beautiful thing that must have been for that that person who was ostracized and seen as unclean and a holy Lord Jesus touches him and heals him. It it looked like Jesus having dinner with Zacchaeus who was regarded as a cheat and a traitor. The holiness of Jesus looked like him having compassion on that woman caught in adultery. It also looked like his righteous indignation at the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the religious rulers. And his holiness looked like his absolute humility 
in offering up himself in the place of those like you and me who are unholy. Jesus' life was full of the most beautiful actions. They were beautiful because he is holy. And it's not just that his actions were holy, they all flowed from a holy heart. His desires, his motives, his thoughts, his inner intentions were holy. Purity is beautiful, isn't it? We like to drink pure water. Do you like to drink contaminated water? Here, can I offer you a glass of contaminated water? No thanks, we like purity. It's good, isn't it, to breathe in pure air. It's lovely to be with people who have pure motives. Purity, holiness, being set apart from everything which is dodgy and ordinary, that's beautiful. When God says to us in the scriptures tonight, be holy as I am holy, he's not calling you to a weird life. He's calling you to something beautiful. If you become more holy, you'll be a more faithful friend. You'll be a wiser leader. You'll be a better husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend. You'll be a better neighbor. And as a church, if together you all are encouraging each other to greater holiness, you'll become, be becoming a more and more beautiful community, an attractive community. In, in a culture where there's so much that's impure and unsafe and dodgy and not trustworthy, it is a beautiful thing to be holy as God is holy. So that's the first thing that we have to see. When God calls us to holiness, he is calling us to something beautiful. Holiness is beautiful. But now I have to be really honest with you and say the second thing, holiness is hard. Holiness is hard. Have you ever tried to completely change your daily routine? You've been thinking about the way you're doing life and you have one of those moments where you think, oh, you know, I just want to smarten everything up and do it better. And you decide you want to be motivated and disciplined and, and, uh, and healthy and fit. And so you decide, I'm, I'm going to get up an hour earlier every morning. And I'm going, to, um, I'm going to eat fruit and yogurt for breakfast instead of bacon and eggs. And I'm going to start drinking kale juice, not coffee. And I'll read classic novels on the way to work. Instead of just watching Netflix, now I'm going to read great novels. I'm not going to check social media at work anymore. 
and I'm going to sign out of screens two hours before bed and just spend quality relational time with the people around me. Well, you think about the schedule, it sounds absolutely amazing, it's healthy, it's, it's exciting really, it's focused, it's got margin, and you do it for two days. And then day three, you sleep in a bit. And then you sneak in a coffee. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Why does anyone drink kale juice anyway? And the next day it's slow at work and you're starting to scroll through social media again. It's so hard to develop new habits. And it's even harder to develop holy habits. Holiness is a habit. J.C. Ryle was a great Anglican bishop in the 19th century in England, and he wrote a wonderful book called Holiness. And in that, he says this, Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. That is the healthiest way to live spiritually. But we will often slip back into unhealthy habits of life. Why do we slip back? Why is holiness so hard to pursue? Well, this passage tells us, I think, and it shows us that it's hard because there is a battle of passions, a battle of desires going on in our hearts. Go back to verse 14. I'm reading actually in the ESV. Hopefully your translation's close to this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions, uh, the, the desires of your former ignorance, it says. When our former ignorance is, he's talking to Christians, and that's before we came to know Jesus. Before we knew the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we were still ignorant of that, there were passions, there were desires in our hearts. Now, those passions and desires have changed. The gospel changes what our deep desires and passions are. But now that sets up a war between our old passions and our new ones. You might well recognize this war inside you. Maybe maybe your former passions, before you came to know Jesus, were passions that are full of anger and bitterness. You, You were stroppy and bossy and aggressive. But then you came to know Jesus, and the gospel has changed those passions and given you a passion for being gentle and loving and kind. Maybe in your former passions, you were full of pride, full of yourself, always talking about you and your achievements, everything centering around you. And now, 
through coming to know Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ, those passions have been changed and you've, you've started to think a whole lot more about other people, not just yourself. Your desire is to be humble and servant-hearted. Maybe in your former passions, you were full of greed. It was all about getting, wheeling and dealing, having as much as possible. And now the the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed you and you desire to be generous and kind. Maybe your former passions were full of lust, always inflamed with sexualized thoughts and impure sexual desires. But now the gospel's changed that and you really desire purity and faithfulness in relationships. The gospel changes our passions. It changes our inner heart desires. And it changes us at that deep level of passions and desires, which means holiness is never just about the external things in our lives. Holiness isn't just about reading your Bible, going to church, uh, helping other people, not sleeping around. It's not just a checklist of actions. No, it's far deeper than that. It's loving what God loves and hating what God hates. And when we really want to love what God loves and hate what God hates, we find there's this war going on inside us. There's a battle raging within. If you go back to verse 13, you see that that Peter actually is, is preparing them for this reality. He says, prepare your minds for action. He's talked in the earlier verses of this chapter about how wonderful the salvation is that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. We've been born again, he says, into a living hope. He said the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, were looking forward, trying to see what it is that we now have. He says even the angels long to look at it. He's saying it's, it's absolutely magnificent what we have in Jesus Christ in the gospel. But, verse 13 Prepare your minds for action. Now, now, once you start to follow Jesus, that's when the fight really begins. And you may well relate to that this evening. You know that battle raging inside. I don't know what the the passions are that struggle inside you. Don't you know that tension between so wanting to love God and please God and to be holy and yet so pulled back to the old stuff. And maybe, maybe you wonder, is holiness really possible? It might be beautiful, but oh, it's so hard. Well, that's the last thing I want to say this evening. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is hard. And holiness is possible. Holiness is possible. When God calls us to be holy as he is holy, he's not calling us to something we cannot possibly achieve. We'll never be perfectly holy in this life. Only Jesus is perfectly holy in this human life. 
but we can be increasingly and genuinely holy. So how? What's the road to greater holiness? For many of us, our default strategy is to just try harder. Just grit your teeth and try harder. It's how it works in everything else, isn't it? If, if, if you want to get better marks, study harder. If you want to be fitter, exercise more. Try harder. If you want to be holy, just be more disciplined morally. Go on, do it. Nike could do holiness, really, couldn't they? Just do it. And so like the Pharisees, we develop rules and systems so that we have tick boxes for holiness. Prayer, tick. Bible, tick. Uni church, tick. Accountability partner, tick. And we kind of hope that if we do all the right things, we'll be more holy. There's just one problem. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work because then we're trying to change our inner heart passions and desires from the outside in, from our behaviours into our heart. And actually what we need is the other way around. We need our hearts changed and then our actions will follow. It's possible to do all the right things on the outside and still have a seething pool of sinful passions and desires on the inside. You, you might have heard the story of a little boy who, whose dad said to him, Johnny, I want you to sit down. Johnny was standing on his chair. And his dad says, please, Johnny, sit down. And Johnny says, No. And it says, no, Johnny, I want you to sit down now, please. And Johnny doesn't move. He wants to stand on his chair. And so his dad says, Johnny, if you don't sit down now, there'll be no Lego for three years. And so Johnny sits down. And he looks his daddy in the eye and says, I'm still standing up on the inside And we can be like that, can't we? We're doing the right thing now externally to keep people happy around us, to make other people satisfied, but we're still standing up on the inside. How can we change the inside? There's only one way. Our hearts, our heart passions and desires can only be changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Peter, in the verses that follow, twice makes absolutely clear what the ground is of our holiness. Just follow with me uh, what he does. Verse 17, he says, If you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So that's just another way of calling them to holiness. But then look at the next word, knowing that you were ransomed 
knowing you were ransomed, ransomed uh, by the precious blood of Jesus. Ransomed is powerful language. Today we, we know about ransomware. Someone stealthily puts software on your computer, locks down all your data, and demands that you pay a huge sum of money to free it. And we're told, don't pay. But Jesus did pay. He paid the price to set us free. Set us free from the guilt of our sin and actually set us free from the power, from the vice grip that sin has on our hearts. We've been set free, not by our effort, not by our tick boxes, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. A few verses later, he makes the same move again. Verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. He's talking about holiness again, isn't he? Verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. What's the basis for calling us to love one another deeply, to be pure of heart? It is the fact that Jesus Christ has done something decisive in our hearts through faith in him. And so that's why in a church like this, we constantly talk about Jesus. We sing about Jesus. We explain about the life of Jesus. We talk about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. We dwell and focus on Jesus because only as we dwell on him and draw near to him will he start to change our hearts and change our desires. How do we grow in holiness? Go to Jesus Christ again and again and again. Every time you sin, every time you do something unholy, every time you do something that you feel bad about or you know was not okay, go to Jesus Christ and confess it and seek his forgiveness. Identify the the wrong passions going on in your heart and talk to Jesus Christ about those things and ask him to change your heart. Every time you face a fresh temptation, run straight to Jesus and ask him for his strength and for courage to say no. When you fail, perhaps for the thousandth time in the same thing, Go back to Jesus Christ because you will find in him an endless fountain of love and mercy and grace. Dwell on Jesus. Think about his life, his love, his holiness. Spend time reading his word, not as a tick box, but so that you get what he loves into your heart and what he hates into your heart. Hang out with people who love Jesus. Spend time with those who are also pursuing holiness because we need the encouragement and the support of other people. And what we find is this. 
the more we immerse ourselves in the things of Jesus, the more that unholy things start to become distasteful to us, foreign to us. Many years ago, one of my kids was seriously injured. He was just a little fella at the time, two, two years old. And uh, my wife and I spent weeks in hospital, round-the-clock vigil, vigils at his bedside. And it was intense. We were worried, we were anxious, there were endless surgeries and all sorts of things going on. And I would drive home from hospital, sort of at the end of my shift, and everything else seemed so trivial. I'd turn the radio on, and two seconds later I'd turn it off. They were just babbling on about sport or something, which other times I would love, but it just seemed so crass, so cheap. I'd drive past shopping centres, and I'd have absolutely zero desire to go anywhere near a shopping centre. I mean, that's still the case, but uh, it, it just seemed so trivial. Why? Because I was caught up in something life and death, something serious, something emotional, something personal. And everything else in comparison seemed so unimportant. Well, friends, I want to tell you tonight, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you get caught up in something life and death. Something so personal, so emotional, so wonderful. And everything else starts to seem so unimportant in comparison. A passion for Jesus Christ and the gospel and all that he has done for us is the only way to kill off the sinful passions of our hearts. I'm not promising that that change is fast. It takes a lifetime. But over time, as we follow Jesus, he really does change us from the inside out. Holiness is beautiful. Holiness is hard. Holiness is possible because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imagine what... It would be like if every single one of us here made it our goal to be as holy as we could possibly be. What beautiful relationships. What a beautiful community. How, how attractive to other people when they would see the love and the compassion, the purity and the genuineness of people who have been changed from the inside out by Jesus. So... What do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to be when you grow old? I think there's no better answer than to say, and I hope you can say this with me tonight, I want to be as holy as I can possibly be by the power and grace of Jesus. Will you join me in praying for that now? 
Lord God, we thank you that you are holy and your holiness is beautiful. And we thank you that you have given us your holy son, Jesus, to save us and change us from the inside out. And so we pray that you would make us more holy people, not by our effort, but as we are more and more closely linked to Jesus and he transforms us. Make us the beautiful, holy, pure people you want us to be so that you might be honoured in our lives and in this church and in the city and this nation that people may see the beauty of the holiness that's only possible in Jesus. We pray for this in his name. Amen.